Good morning, everyone. It's great to see you all here this morning. Glad you're joining us here in the venue, or, or if you happen to be joining us online, glad you're with us as well. I'm going to begin our time together uh, by reading uh, the passage that we'll be looking at today. A lot of times we invite you to stand up this morning. I'll give you the morning off because it's just one verse. We're not going to do an up-down real quick. So, uh, but, but for now, hear, uh, hear now the word of the Lord uh, from the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 20, verse 29, where it says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. When I was in sixth grade, my class uh, did this project. It was an assignment where we were each told to write little notes uh, to our classmates that said something nice, like passing along a compliment or a word of encouragement uh, to, to one another. So we all jumped right in. We, you know, after a flurry of writing notes and running around the class and delivering to, to folks, we, we retreated to our desk to leaf through all of these little positive notes that, that we've gotten from, from, our, from our friends and folks in the class. And as I looked through mine, I, I kind of quickly perused the ones that were from my friends and then I read through the ones that were from the popular kids, which was like, oh, cool, they have to talk to me. This is great. Um, and, and then I came upon one little piece of paper. Right, one little piece of paper that gave me what I thought at the time was the greatest compliment I could ever receive. It had one sentence, and it said, you always have the best comebacks. <laughs> right, you always have the best comebacks. The writer was complimenting my ability to use my words and my wit as a weapon to fire back at those who came at me with their inferior jabs and jokes. Right? I was a smooth talker, a spin master. I was a force to be reckoned with on the dueling grounds of put-downs. Now, there are a couple of reasons why I was so enraptured, so, so, uh, so uh, appreciative of this compliment. The first was that it had actually come to me fr- from a girl that I had a crush on for a couple of years. And, uh, and I knew this because she'd even signed it in the like, fl- flowing, cursive-y, sixth-grade cursive with a little heart you know, above the letter. It was a great day overall for, for me. <laughs> And, uh, but, but more importantly, uh, I, was not, I was not a sporty kid, all right? I was not a cool kid. I was not a popular kid. I was just sort of around, all right? I, was, I was just sort of existed uh, at this time. And, and I didn't have a lot that I felt made me stand out amongst my peers. And, and so to be told that I was the best at anything just felt really, really great. And, and this note instantly became one of my greatest treasures, all right? And, and, and its message, the greatest praise, because I loved the fact that it was, it was affirming to me, it was telling me what, what I believed was, was something that was celebrating my intelligence and my creativity. I kept that note amongst my, my keepsakes and my special things for years, not only because I had a crush on the sender, but because it, it confirmed for me that I was figuring out my way to fit into the world. Because everything about our culture, everything about the culture around us us encourages us to sharpen our words to a cutting edge, doesn't it? The words, the the, the jokes that we often laugh at the most are the ones that, that often make fun of other people, right? The words that grab our attention are the ones that, that tend to actually tear down and, 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 and minimize the value and the worth and the dignity of the people on the other side of issues that we choose to fight about. We love to critique and condemn and criticize. And if it comes off as as harsh or as lacking love, well, really, it's their fault. It's their fault for being so wrong, for being so misguided. And we really didn't have any choice other than being cruel or condescending because they had to get the point somehow. And that was the only way we could prove it. And when we're not using our words to bring people down a peg or two or ten... 
we often find ourselves choosing words that most benefit us, right? We, we prioritize self-promotion. We place our opinions on a pedestal and we dare anyone, dare the world to try and knock it down. We get so caught up in what we're going to say next so that we can sound smart or important or informed or so on that, that in our conversations, we actually spend more time focused on the things that we're going to say rather than actually listening to the people that are trying to communicate with us and tell us something. This kind of half-hearted, self-centered communication style is actually pretty common and pretty accepted in our world. But here's the problem. God has a far grander, far more wonderful, and deeply loving purpose for our words. He doesn't need us, need us to use them as weapons, right? He doesn't want us to use them as tools of selfish promotion. And he absolutely is not pleased when we use them to manipulate or belittle or demean others. Instead, God has a very straightforward, simple, yet tremendously powerful and profound purpose for our words. It's what Paul shares with us in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. How different might the world be if God's people acknowledged and pursued this purpose for our words? If we recognized and cherished the truth that the things we choose to say should be good and build up others, should meet the needs of the moment and should give grace to those who hear them. The things we say should be good and build up others, meet the needs of the moment and give grace to those who hear them. This is a radically different purpose for the things we say and the way that we say them than the world would have us believe, isn't it? Because according to scripture, our, the power of our speech isn't meant to just be spent on our own glory or gain. Our words are meant to be a blessing to others and a testimony in and of themselves of the new way of life that we have found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So if we are followers of Jesus and if becoming more and more like him is among the deepest desires of our hearts, then we must become people who, who, whose words are good and build up others that meet the needs of the moment and who give grace to those who hear them. And I want to dig a little bit deeper into each of these ideas, but first, we need to stop and take a look at what Paul says before he gets to these positive commands, right? Because he gives us a little warning, and it's not unlike the warning that the Pastor Steve looked at last week when he preached on our need to keep our tongues in check, all right? We need to keep our words free of evil intentions. Paul says at the beginning of verse 29 that we're to let no corrupting talk, no corrupting talk come from our mouths, the word corrupting is the Greek translation of a word sapros. And if something was sapros, if it was rotten, it was decaying, it was putrid, vile, foul, and unwholesome. All right? It is completely useless and only brings harm to those who encounter it. So to have corrupting sapros talk coming out of your mouth is to speak in such a way that it is so bad that it is good for nothing. Right? It's using your words with the primary goal of causing hurt and pain and shame in somebody else's life. 
It's talking to or about someone in such a way that your, your goal is to diminish them in some way, to bring down their dignity, their value, their worth in the eyes of, of you or of others or even themselves. Corrupting talk is the stuff that we say to wound others so that we can feel better about ourselves at the expense of someone else. So if the things you say tend to discourage those around you, if they cause arguments and tear people down, if they spread slander or gossip, if they're full of bragging or bravado or bitterness, if they promote falsehoods, or if they give you the reputation of having the best comebacks, don't be proud. Don't feel smug, don't feel smart, because you've got a problem, and you need to find a way to repentance. And because I know some of you are either wondering this or or trying to avoid asking yourself this question, the answer is yes, this sort of sapros corrupting talk absolutely extends to the stuff that is so easy to post or share or send online. Our words have to be better than this. The things we choose to say cannot be filled with vileness or hatred or accusations. We need to think before we speak. We need to listen before we respond. We need to check our hearts before we open our mouths. Because you and I are called to take off and leave far behind the kind of life, the old life that we lived before we came to know who Jesus is. And instead be an imitator of the holy God who speaks the truth in love always. You are called to use good words that build up others to meet the needs of the moment and give grace to those who hear. Let's take a few moments and break down these distinctives from verse 29. First, your words should be good to build up others. Paul's instructions to Christians to have good words come from their mouths is the direct contrast from the corrupting words that he forbade. The things we choose to say should be fruitful and beneficial and full of the potential for blessing. We want people, we want, we want to be people who are so shaped and transformed by our faith in Jesus that the only speech that makes the trip from our, from our hearts to our mouths and into the world is that which has a chance at helping rather than hurting the people around us. But the goodness of our words needs to be more than just saying nice things so that we can kind of check off that box of biblical obedience. That needs to be genuine and honest and given to others in such a way that proves to them that what we're saying really is meant to be a blessing, really is meant to make their lives better. We see Jesus doing this throughout the Gospels, right? Instead of joining the crowds who hurl insults and shame and derision upon people that they think deserve it, Jesus constantly lets flow a torrent of kind-hearted good words that serve the purpose of building up instead of tearing down. You can think of any number of examples. He praises the outcast woman who washes his feet. Or he, he calls out to Zacchaeus, the despised tax collector. Nobody liked this guy. He calls out to Zacchaeus and lightheartedly invites himself over to Zacchaeus' house for, for a meal and changes Zacchaeus' life forever by, by listening and affirming and building him up with words that would lead him down a better path. Even Peter, who Jesus is admittedly pretty hard on from time to time, is more often encouraged and built up and renewed by the kindness and the goodness of our Savior's words. And remember that it is Jesus, while hanging on a cross, that finds the words to forgive the people that put him there and even comfort a criminal hanging on his own cross to his side. That's our example. Right, that's the God we follow. 
If Jesus, when beaten and bleeding and dying while nailed to a torture device, if Jesus can let the goodness and and compassion flow from his heart in that kind of a moment, then we ought to be able to find a way to use our words to be good and build up others in our day-to-day lives. So ask yourself, how often when you speak, are the things you choose to say, say, building up others? How often are the things you choose to say, blessing those around you in the way that Jesus so obviously made a point and a goal and a passion of his own life? We should also be able to speak in a way that meets the needs of the moment. Our, our words should be good for building up others as fits the occasion. We've got to master the art of discernment. We have to know when to encourage and when to guide and when to praise and when to offer rebuke and correction. We have to choose our words wisely and carefully no matter the circumstances. Because ultimately, our hope, our our goal, is that we, we will get a chance to use our words to guide people into conversations and into considerations, into thinking about and hearing from Jesus, right? We want to tell them about Jesus. We want to have that be, we want to have Jesus be the, the subject of, of the things that we talk about. Which means that from time to time, we're going to have to be honest with folks, just as we have to be honest with ourselves about what is righteous and good in our life and what is sinful about their life. We'll have to challenge them to measure their motivations and their actions and, the, and their decisions against the truth of God's word and then reckon, that with, and reckon it with what lines up and, and what doesn't. Sometimes people are going to need to hear a clear statement about what Jesus expects of us. Sometimes they just need encouragement. They need to know that somebody, anybody is in their corner even when their life is a mess. Sometimes they really do need an appropriate rebuke so they can clearly hear a voice of reason that that is calling out to them, that is warning them that they're crossing a boundary into dangerous territory. And most of the time, it's going to be a mix of all of these kind of things. Every day, we need to hear affirmations and, and reminders and corrections. That's why it's so important to commit ourselves to that first idea of using good words that build people up. Because if we get that right then there's a pretty good chance that we'll, we'll have a chance to earn some trust and, 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 and have some trust in the relationship so that we can speak in his circumstances, so that when we say things that are hard or challenging or encouraging, we'll be heard. And it won't be just dismissed as being judgmental or harsh or rude. They'll actually listen to the things that we, that we might want to say because we've proven that we're good listeners and we've proven that we actually do want to speak as fits the occasion that we're trying to talk into. So ask yourself, is this how you speak? Is this how you approach conversations? Do you know how to take the time to listen well and and think through what people are saying and and consider how much you care about them in such a way that will allow you to speak the words that that fit the occasion, that that truly meet the needs of the moment that they need uh, to hear you say? Finally, our words should give grace to those who hear them. The simplest definition of grace that I could find this week is, is it's an unmerited act Grace is an unmerited act of goodwill from one person to another, all right? It's, it's just doing something or saying something nice and kind and good for somebody just because you want to, right? They didn't earn it. They didn't do anything to, 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 to deserve it. Grace is just something kind and good that you do for somebody else. And that's a perfectly good definition. That's a perfectly good way to, to think about grace unless you're a Christian, 
Because if you're a Christian, you need to add to this definition of grace a little, a little extra biblical oomph, all right? You've you, you got to dig down deep and add something really, really good and really amazing to really fill out what grace truly means in light of Scripture. Earlier in, the, earlier in the letter of Ephesians, Paul gives a detailed description of what grace truly is like and, and, and what, it, what it truly means to those who follow Jesus. It's from chapter 2. In verses 4 through 10. And what I want you to do as I read it is, is just listen for when grace is mentioned and pay attention to how good it really is. All right, so this is Ephesians chapter 2, uh, starting in verse 4, where it says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages we, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing, it is a gift of God and not a result of work, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Our example of grace, just how good the unmerited gifts of goodwill we should make it our daily task to give to others, our example of grace is the gospel. That's our standard, right? That's our goal. We want to give grace in imitation of the way that God gave it to us when he saved us from sin and death through the sacrifice and resurrection of his son. So when it comes to our words, to the things we choose to say and the way we choose to say them, it's as simple as this. Our words ought to make people feel and believe like we really truly do care about them. Our words should make it clear that we love them. Because as Christians, our words are always an example and a declaration of having been saved by grace through faith in Jesus. So speak like someone who has been saved. Speak like someone whose life has been touched and transformed by the immeasurable riches of God's kindness and Christ's love. For the past two weeks, Pastor Steve has encouraged us all to embrace a couple of simple practices that help us evaluate our words and learn how we might grow to better use them and and confess the ways in which we might be using them um, poorly. And I'd like to once again suggest these practices as you move forward into this week, seeking to use good words that build others up, that, that meet the needs of the moment, and that give grace to those who hear them. All right, the first thing that he suggested is that you have to pray. All right, you have to pray. You have to pray that you might learn to speak in such a way that encourages and affirms and builds others up and offers a, a, a correction, but that is balanced with compassion and grace. All right, so if, if you have to move into that area of rebuke, it's got to be balanced with the same compassion and grace that Jesus offers you when he brings you to, to a realization of what you've done wrong. There are probably hundreds of passages of Scripture that you could use to help you pray and find uh, good grace-filled words, but I would suggest this, this classic blessing that Christians have appealed to uh, for, for centuries, for, for ages. All right, it's Psalm 19, 14, where it says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. May that be the goal of our words each and every day. The second thing we need to do is we need to listen. 
right? We need to listen. Because here's the truth. You cannot, you absolutely cannot use good words that build people up, that, that meet the needs of the moment, and that give grace to those who hear them. You cannot do these things if you speak before truly listening, all right? You and I are far less likely to bless those with our words if we don't really know what's going on in their lives, all right? If we, if we don't really know what's troubling their hearts or if we don't really know what brings joy to their souls. So this week, I challenge you, ask somebody to, to simply take some time to share with you what they truly love, what really means something to them or, or something that's happening to them in their lives. And as they share, listen fully, be fully present in that moment. Try to empty your mind with how you might respond Instead, just, just focusing in on what they're sharing and, and the words they're choosing and the, and the emotions and the, and the things they're communicating. And then only once they've finished, only then do you take a moment to think and pray and consider how to respond and then offer that response. I'd be really surprised if your response wasn't filled with the kind of grace and, and love and care that we want to see in, in how we communicate and share words with others. Finally, the, the, the third, uh, the third uh, practice that Pastor Steve has encouraged us to do is, is treasure, right? We need to treasure the gift God gives us by inviting us to speak good words to others, especially those words that are filled with the promise and the truth of the gospel. Really take some time to think about, to consider how incredible it is that God allows us to speak to each other in such a way that we get to communicate love and life and blessing and the story of the salvation Jesus offers. It is an incredible honor to speak in this way to others. So treasure that gift, treasure this blessing, and use it to build up others, meeting their needs and in each moment and offering lots of incredible, amazing grace. Not long after I became a Christian uh, in middle school, uh, I actually came across that note that said, uh, you always give the best comebacks. It was stuffed into one of those catch-all drawers that just sort of spawn in your, uh, in your room. And uh, I, I, I took it, I remembered, I read it, and I, and I remembered who had given it to me. I remembered why I had saved it. I remembered how much I had loved what I thought it said about me. And as I looked at that note, and as I thought about what I, what I had originally felt when I received it, I began to cry. Because all at once, the Holy Spirit convicted me of the foolishness, of the pride, of being so proud, of being so happy about being able to speak in such a rotten, corrupt, vile, useless way. I repented in that moment, threw out the note, and made a commitment to speak in such a way that future notes might, might not praise me for my comebacks but might instead wonder at the grace and the compassion and the love of my words and ask me what happened in my life that led me to talk, to let me to speak in this way. Because then I might get the chance to say, well, let me tell you about Jesus and what he's done in my life. It's, it's a great story. And what's even better is that it can be your story too. Those are, after all, some of the best words that we ever get to share. As we turn our attention uh, to communion this morning, I'd like to encourage you to, to take a few moments during this time to really consider how you might use your words today, use your words tomorrow, use your words every day hereafter in such a way that the people around you will always receive the kind of grace that leaves them thinking not more about you, 
but more about the God that gave you the ability to speak in such a way, to share such wonderful things with the people around you. At our church, anyone who has confessed Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior is, is more than welcome to join us in the celebration of, uh, of communion. In just a moment, we will all together uh, take the little cup and we will eat the bread, or we, uh, we will take the bread and after some words of, uh, uh, from Scripture, we will eat together. And then after some additional words of Scripture, we will uh, drink from the cup together. If you join us in person today, the communion cups were provided on the table just outside those front doors. If you happen to miss them, feel free to hop up and grab one now if, if you want to. Um, if you're joining us online, um, you're welcome to use any, any food and drink that you have uh, around you. We, we'd love for you to, to join us for, for the celebration as well. Uh, if you're here with us this morning and you do not yet believe in the gospel, if you're not a follower of Jesus, then I, I just want you to know we're so glad that you're here. Uh, we're honored that you've decided to, to come here and join us and make this a place where you continue to learn about and consider uh, the things of the Lord. During this time, we'd simply ask you to use it to reflect on what you've heard. Uh, feel free to offer up a prayer if you'd like to try that. And uh, if you have any questions about the service, about, about communion, about what you've heard today in, in, in the sermon, we'd love a chance to, to chat with you. You can reach out to us through the, through the connection card, uh, or you can feel free to snag me after the service or, or, or somebody else here at the church. We'd love a chance uh, to, to talk with you more about any of the questions you might have. Uh, but would you please uh, now join me in, in prayer? Jesus' communion is a time uh, of celebration and remembrance. Celebration for what you have done and remembrance for all that you've given to us and taught us with your life, including the incredible way that you used your words to love others. God, please inspire us to do the same. Convict us when we fall short. Be with us now as we recall the words of your promises at that first communion. Amen. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, gathered with his disciples, and he took bread and he broke it. And when, when he had given thanks, he broke it and he passed it to them, and he said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Take and eat. Do this in remembrance of me. <clears throat> in the same way, after supper, he took a cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in, in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you, as you eat this bread and you drink from this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. Lord Jesus, we remember these words and are humbled by them. We remember the encouragement and the promise that you gave to us. As you, spoke, as you spoke them, and remember the life you lived and the sacrifice you made so that we may know you more, and then we may be able to cherish you more, love you more, and live a life in imitation of you. Father God, as we think about what we've heard today, we, we again pray Psalm 1914. Let the words of our mouths and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. <clears throat>